Welcome to Hip Hop Heads. This is part two of our top five MCs with Carl Bernardo. Please enjoy. Is, uh, his guest appearance on the Hurricane soundtrack, which talks about time, which is one of the great, great lines I've ever great, great, great lyrics I've ever heard in my life. Um, I think it's one of the best uh, sounds. And then uh, he, he and Talib have this song called Beautiful Mary J. Blige, mm-hmm. incredibly underrated. He has a uh, he has uh, um, a song called uh, he has a, he has a song called Championship Requiem. He doesn't give him credit. He has a song songs you can't find on streaming, which is he has a couple songs like Kanye's album that are really good. Like he's an incredible lyricist, man. I mean, just hands down, like he you know, I, I think he walked away with his board. I mean, like he's just incredible. So most depth is my is my top, not number four. I love that um, beautiful remix song because it's not even on an album. It's like it's a, not. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Underline your it's point not. about a they, dropped, they dropped on they dropped on vinyl for a second because that uh, that that Jason, uh, Gay I got that on vinyl and that's a great pickup. It reminded me. It reminded me of the submarine album, the Jay the Jay Z uh, Beatles album. It reminds me a little yeah, bit where they yeah. matched it up. Yeah, if you're not paying attention to Mario Gosway when he's doing these remixes, man, like he mm-hmm. does a common common wonder with Stevie and Common. Yeah, I know about he that. Has, he has a uh, he has a he has a he has a lyric. So this is my favorite though. He does a remix. So you know they him and Katami came back for like a a, a year or something. They they talked to like a single. Mm-hmm. The single right. did, wasn't very good, like uh, musically. Like it, I mean, their lyrics are great, but the, the 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 music was all right. He does a remix of that song with uh, Young Gifted and Black with mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. and it's exceptional. Like I, I mean, you wish they had originally made that song together. Like it, it's it's a it's a really amazing like like work of art. So I'm doing most stuff as my top four, and I'm giving a shout out to to Lee, but shout out to America Godsaway for his remixes of most stuff. It's pretty exceptional. Uh, I think it's no mistake that also uh, Yasin Bey is also an actor in his own right. We were already talking about Bamboozle. Yes, Bamboozle. Uh, you got to talk think about he won an Emmy for something Lord has made. Yeah, yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah man. And he, um, you know, he was also on the Cosmic Mysteries. You forget about that. Most definitely was uh, on the Cosmic Mysteries as uh, one of the main characters. And then he was, uh, he, uh, and then of course he's most famous for. Well, he's not most famous for. But he's one of the most famous things he's done is he's also the 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 black. Uh, he's the uh, the black general manager on the racial draft. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. Oh yeah. Oh man. By integration. Tiger Woods. It's one of my favorite. Right <laughs> here, like so far, your your top MCs have acting skills, and they have a lot of range and a lot of a lot of layers to them. All right. So my next, my now I know Heavy D is the one the most lambasted, but my next one is I think the most controversial. Okay. So top three MC all time was Lauren Hill. Um, this is, okay, so this is a difficult pick for me. I had I, I thought this th- this through. <clears throat> I would say if you look at Lauren Hill's body of work, Lauren Hill has the best three years of any MC in the history of hip hop. If you look at her body of work, the three years Lauren Hill is Lauren Hill, she has more more range of hits than anybody in the history, history of the music industry, right? She has her stuff with the Fugees, right? She has guest stars with Nas, guest stars with Common, guest stars with the Franklin, guest stars. I mean, like she, she does, so her guest star appearances are top. 
that she has an album that comes out which earns five Grammys and sweeps like every music award in the, in the country. And I will make this argument in, in the time. I think her best track on there is Lost Ones, which is not the track, no one, that, that track that got all the credit. Like I think right. Lost Ones is one of the greatest musical creations ever. Yes, like, sir. And I, I, don't, I don't know a single better starting lyric then it's funny how much these situations. Like, I don't know a single better starting lyric in the history of hip hop than that start to an album. I, it, it's the most grabbing moment I think I've ever had in an album. Like, situations create good miscommunications. You don't know what she's talking about either. You have no idea this about her, her former partner. But you are mesmerized from that point on. Like, that, that, I, that genius level is so high. I think she gets lamb, lamb, lambasted too hard because I think she misinterpreted what the what the what the MTV uh, the MTV uh, the album. album out. Like, yeah. I think she thought it was about like watching an artist go through their craft, right, and not about being a polished in the product, right. Mm-hmm. And and that happens sometimes, right? People like and this I, I've seen this now as being somebody who's in entertainment for a while. You'll 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 get an impression that okay, oh everybody's doing this thing where we're gonna go in and like show come to behind the scenes stuff, right? And that is a lie sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you go in and people have been polishing their stuff and they're they're making it look like it's off the cuff. But it's not off the cuff at all. Like it's very, very deliberate, you know. Like, and so I think she went to that MTV uh, unplug, going, you know, I'm gonna like, you know, show, you know, the creative MTV how my music and da da da. And then she got unfairly like judged for that, which wasn't right. There's a deeper story too. I mean, there's a lot that went on behind behind that time or during that time because he, she got a lot of credit for the Miseducation album, like duly so. But then I think she was also out to prove the haters that were saying that she wasn't the the sole like mastermind behind the whole album, right? So yeah, she yeah. Was, okay, well, I'm gonna strip myself down and prove to you how much of an awesome artist I am without you know all the engineers. Yeah. You know, she probably had some help, but I mean, in the end, it was her. Well, was- the reason why people said that is because so you know the story, right? So Tommy Matola was 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 the executive producer of this Education on Hill, right? Tommy Matola's ex-wife is Mariah Carey. So they had just broken up before Miss Education came out, right? So Tommy Matola was trying to make a point to Mariah Carey is I can make anybody a star, even like this hip-hop girl Lauren Hill, right? So she's he, he trying to make a statement to her. And that's why Lauren Hill got that undue like criticism because he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put her on blast. I'm gonna get her five Grammys. I mean, like, like he was doing all this promotion mm-hmm. to get make Mariah Carey basically jealous, right? Like that's that's what that was about. Like and so that's like why the the that's why she got a promotion for like a, a album that basically is like a like the underground. I mean, like it's it's basically produced at the same level as most at that time Black Star albums were produced or like it was an underground album pretty much. But it got all of the fanfare because she, she was trying to prove Mariah Carey off. So yeah, making uh, sure my daughter's not doing things. Uh-huh. <laughs> nah, you're totally right about that. I mean, that album, I mean, Lost Ones, the way it opens up is very hunting. I mean, it's very visual. And then you go into S Factor. 
And yep. S Factor, I mean, the, the just the visuals of that video, you know, the light show was awesome. And then, you know, still my favorite, my favorite song off Mission Education, Lauren Hill, is you know, is Everything Is Everything. I love, I love that love song. I love that song. I love uh, Nothing Even Matters. Just has that Jay Dillon like vibe to it. It's got that slum village. It's, this is pre-slum village. You think about, uh-huh. you know, Lauren wrote everything on that on those out al- on that album, baby. Just about, you know. Then you had the two hidden tracks on that album. You had uh, Can't Take Your Eyes Off You, and you had Tell Them. Those are hidden on that. I remember like listening to that CD, waiting for the two bonus tracks. At the and end. I, I can't take my eyes off you. Was off of the it was off a soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think. Um, was was it called? Conspiracy theory, of Mel Gibson. Conspiracy theory, of Mel Gibson. Right. So, right. no one even knew like that. Out that like, where did that come from? Like, you know, like that was on conspiracy theory, right? And I remember, I think we actually like me and Jason. I think we were on mission to find it one day at school. Like, where, you know, where is it? Because because we knew we we had seen the conspiracy theory. We were trying to find it out before it was on the point we struck on the right mm-hmm. album. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, that was a great album. Um, oh, completely yeah. doesn't get the credit it deserves, mm-hmm. um, in my in my opinion. Um, but I, I, I want to say the mystery of inequity, which is one of the most lyrically poignant creations of all time, does not get the sort of respect it deserves. It is one of the most incredible discussions about modern day America and her perspective on it that has ever existed. And, um, and I made this argument before people is that I think um, if you read the Bible of the story of Jeremiah, <clears throat> there's lots of parallels that Lauryn Hill is having a basically a Jeremiah moment on that album, right? Like, like the, the, the prophet trying to call to the nation to repent, the nation ignoring it. Like there's lots of limita- limitations to like Jeremiah. That. So I, in my opinion, this, it's, it's, you look at her, her body of her work, it totally makes sense that she's like the, the prophet we're ignoring, right? Like, you know, it's just incredible body of work, you know. And that's not to say we didn't even talk about she sings as well, right? Like, even that her hooks, her ability to sing hooks, I mean, are extraordinary. There's no, I mean, not much like her. And she acts, yes, so sister act two. I am determined to draw a through line here. So, you got three actors, three, um vocal dynamos for sure i yeah. have i have I, I have four actors actually there's the uh the fifth one is not out has any acting role but the, the there's four definitely four that have acting experience although i'm not choose them for acting experience no, totally not okay. but i think yeah. it speaks i speaks i think it speaks to like their range their depth and, and yeah. the way that they're they're willing to go for their their art their artistry yeah now my, my number two i'm sure is going to cause a rise Uh-oh. and Honestly, I'm sure Kevon is going to be super excited about it. I'm sure Jay is going to be like, "Yes, that's some nonsense." Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So my number two MC of all time is Buster Rhymes. Wow. Ooh. 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 <laughs> that's now, now I want you to think about this for a second, right? <laughs> Buster Rhymes may be the greatest guest MC of all time. As, um, yeah. Don't look at his albums. Think about the number of guest appearances Buster Rhymes has made throughout his career, where he is the chief talent on that record. Mm-hmm. He has made more hip hop 
classics from his appearance on the on the on on the on the album than anyone in hip hop history. Period. Period. Bar none. Over twenty years. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Okay, if you go through his like individual albums, he has some good good tracks. Like, I mean, like they're great. They're not classics though. But it's the rhymes true gift is his. He is the best guest MC of all time. Right. Scenario, classic Cabusta Rhyme. <laughs> Flavor in your ear, classic Cabusta <laughs> Rhyme. Uh, um, what's the one where he's, uh, um, I can't think of the name of the song now. It's uh, uh, Peace Sign, classic Cabusta Rhyme. Right. Yeah. right? You, get, you go, you, I can keep going. Like, he has so many songs. Where Buster Rhymes is not on that track, it is not the same track. Period. Yeah. Period. Period. He's like the anchor in a in a in a in a really good relay race. He's always the last person to go, and when he when he goes, he kills it every time. Can you name me a better guest MC? I'm 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 waiting. Name me a better guest MC than Buster Rhymes. No argument there because I remember the first time I saw him leaders to the new, leaders to the new school in the case of the PTA when Buster comes out of nowhere and kills Brown and everybody in the group. You know, he, he came in like a dungeon dragon and you hear this guy, you know, all this energy. He got the crazy outfit on. He's screaming. Yeah, I mean, everybody, every MC on that track basically got put on notice and Buster didn't do it on purpose, but he ate his own. He ate his own group up. And then you know when you get that and you get that whole vibe, you got him with Q-Tip and everything. He got a Q-Tip. It was unstoppable because Q-Tip's production is incredible. He's he's so yeah. un, he's so underrated as a producer. That guy took so much from Pete Rock. You can see it basically. And Pete Rock took so much from Q-Tip. Q-Tip is just a nicer, gentler club version of Pete Rock. That's all it is. And gotcha. uh, I mean, yeah, Bust Bust also made Rampage sound better than what he was. Yep. He, he made uh, Lord Have Mercy sound awesome. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's um, not there's not a better guest MC. Yeah. If you want if you want to bring it home, you hire Busta on your track, and he he's the best he's the best guest MC of all time. I mean that's that's I think of like when you think about the best songs of all time, like Busta's on one of those songs. Guarantee if it's if it's more than one group on it, Busta's on one of those songs for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, and you got to mention he was and in higher learning. He's a, he's a guest yeah. acting higher learning, right? Like yeah. to, to go with his, the acting thing, right? He's definitely got that the pedigree. So yeah, Buster Rhymes is my top my top two. Like he, he best guest MC of all time. I got nothing to say. I'm bad to say about it. even when he came in. On I'm TV. shocked. I, I thought I was gonna get t- t- torn up. I've, I've got four now down, and I still have yet to be challenged on my picks. I'm shocked. Shots. I mean, because like, raising the eyebrow is still the heavy D thing. You have made your argument. I'm not gonna like throw total shots or, or holes through it. I, I I see where you're coming from, but yeah, man. I mean, like you, you named some 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 the, awesome. the heavy the heavy D thing. I mean, I I I, I could easily place heavy D with Nas. The reason why I don't place place heavy D with Nas is because. Nas to me eventually abandons hip hop in a certain way, and I don't. I don't think I can call the. I can put top five on somebody who loses loses their their, their love for the game. Right. It's it's kind of like 
you know, like if you walk away from the game and can I, can you really be top five and see like, you know, like that's, that's where I kind of like went back and forth, you know, not, not since of like, he kind of like faded, like he kind of like got disgruntled and, and we're not supposed to see it. You could, you can lose your love for the game, but we're not supposed to see it as, as, as your, as your fans. Like hide that stuff. Like retire nicely, you know, like what's what, what are you complaining about? You know, like, to me, it doesn't do it doesn't, do, it doesn't serve as hip hop any well as a, as a as an ambassador, you know. <laughs> now I'm talking Lauren because I think Lauren actually had a mental breakdown. Yeah. Where Nas just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, hip hop's dead because I said so. Mm-hmm. And I'm like what? <laughs> like so. <laughs> that's that's why I thought Heavy D was a better ambassador for the game, in my opinion. I can I can see that because Nas, what happened is when his when his milkshake brought a voice to the yard, and he helped Khalees get started up. He was jaded because he was in love with a new management. And what happened pretty much when he discovered that Khalees wasn't exactly you know his way out the game at this point, he was trying to do what Jay Z is doing right now. Jay and Bay, they were on their way to be, be being that power couple. But the problem was is that she wasn't on that maturity level and, you know, and plus he wasn't Jay-Z. So he couldn't cheat and get away with it at that point. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think the thing is, you know, they were two separate people. You know, he brought her into the game a little bit. He just, you know, he saw the Neptunes had this artist that he really wanted. So he was going to do the whole musical family thing. And it never worked out. I mean, with Jay-Z it's worked out to a certain point up to now, because, you know, Jay-Z has sacrificed a lot of who he is as an artist in order to make Jay and Bay and the Curtis work. Lyrically, lyrically, he's like been he's been he's been watered down to fit the J and Bay narrative and you know crazy in love. I mean, I, I mean, watching those videos, watching where he is now is kind of sickening. But he had to evolve. His evolution is different than what we expect as an MC. I think that I think that Nas's evolution went somewhere south. It went R and B Nas. It went you know when he started doing songs with Genuine and he started um, talking about his milkshake brings the boys to the yard. I lost respect to a certain level because I wanted that. I wanted that God MC. I wanted that Rakim, that Rakim version of Nas that not there. It's like it's like Michael. It's like Michael and LeBron. I want LeBron to be like Michael, but he's LeBron. At the end of the day, it's two totally different players in that regard. Now, now you say that. So when you say you want the the Rakim version, what is what is what is a Rakim version? Like explain to me what what you which in your view is a Rakim version. It's that, it's that stillmatic now. It's, it's that illmatic now. It's that it's that flow. It's the you know. It's that you no. Know, he's talking wipes to be and everything like that. That's that angry. That's that hungry. I sit on the bench in Queensbridge and I watch all the MCs battle Nas. That's when he wore Tims every day and he, you know his, his tooth was chipped before he got his tooth fixed. That was a whole different Nas. That's that that's that gritty. You know, like her Rakim is Rakim. Rakim's a god MC to me basically because. You know, if you ever listen to Ryan Kim, he influenced every artist. You're talking Big Daddy Kane, you're talking Jay-Z, you're talking every great loves Ryan Kim. They all listen to him. Even Eminem. Eminem goes, I listen to Ryan Kim. You know, the thing about it is, you know, people don't say that about Nas like they used to. They listen to Illmatic Nas, but they're not listening to anything current Nas. They say, oh, he's a good artist, but his influence is different. His influence doesn't reach like the guy at MC who basically, bred, you know, he bred a lot of other MCs out there in this game. Yeah, the other thing I can't argue that. we talked about Nas on our episode one of Hip Hot Heads, and um, I, I would have never put Heavy D in the same breath as Nas, but the only thing that I'm thinking of now is because um, Novak brought up a point in our episode one where he says, like, nobody does R&B better than Nas does, and with Genuine, that's arguable, but there's certain tracks I think he does 
does live up to that uh, statement. And I think Heavy D is an interesting one where, like, I think he he dances the line of R&B in a good way, not like in a novel way. Right. Good way of, of, of convergence there. Like, you talk about Life's, Life's a B, like, that's probably my favorite hip hop. That's probably my favorite Nas song of all time. And arguably with the saxophone riff at the end, like, that's, that's like a... What? RB element too, you know. Going back to Heavy D, this is probably because I was I'm a little older than you two, so you probably were too young on this. When if, when Heavy D at this height, Heavy D is at his height, which is like, like 89 to 94, right? You see Heavy D in a lot of guest appearances. Like he shows up on Different World, he shows up on like Fresh Prince, he shows up as Heavy D. Like he's so popular as an artist that there was cachet to put him on like main sitcom stuff, like just as like. Go to have a D concert, like like just like we do Michael Jackson or like Prince, you know. Like I mean, like he had. There's and to this day, there's still not many artists that to get that kind of thing. Like it can be on a main. Not if you see like on cable shows, right? Like a Disney Channel, or something. But like to be on like on like oh, we're gonna go have a D concert. I think there's a whole different world episode that actually centers around Heavy D as like the main like like. It's just really interesting, like how you look at like who he was to that to that to that that generation, I think he was the, like, it's to what Drake is this generation. Like Drake to this generation is like <laughs> yeah. the, the epitome MC, which I would never say, but I think like, I understand like that's who they identify with. And uh, the college students when we were kids, when we were, when I was in high school, identify with FBD, like as, as their person, you know, like their, their go-to, you know, it just, it's just my, my point. All right. And you brought up my last one. So yes, number, number one, Number one, I mean, I'm have to go rock him. I gotta go rock him. Mm-hmm. I gotta okay. go rock him. That's my one. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way not to go rock him. If you, if you just take, I know you got soul. If you just take that one track, there are more hip hop quotes, and I know you got soul, than any album in history. Mm. Let me let me give you an example, right? All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you a lyric. You tell me if you heard it quoted or not. It's been a long time. I should have left you without a strong rhyme to step to. Definitely. Have quote. you heard that quoted? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Think of how many week shows you slept through. Times up. I'm sorry I kept you. Have you quote. heard that quote? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Most definitely. The rhymes from the micro things thinking of this, you keep repeating you miss. The rhymes from the microphone solo list. All right. Mm-hmm. Here's a, here's here's another one right here. And you, as you sit by the radio, hand on the dial soon, as you hear it, pump up the volume. <laughs> I'm only I'm only six lyrics in, and you've heard all of those quoted separately by other MCs. Right, dance with the speaker to hear to hear it blow. The people get a headphone because here it go. It's a four letter word when it's heard. You control your body to dance. You got it. So that those those, those four are all right. I got you. I got you. So I'm, I'm gonna skip to the ones that are actual um, quotables. Um, a gift to be swift, follow the leader. The rhyme will go. Deaf with the record that was placed a long time ago. It can be done, but only I could do it. Quote it all the time. 
for those that can dance and clap their hands to it. And what's next is the greatest lyric ever written, period, in the history of hip hop. Uh I start to think and then I sink into the paper like I was ink. When I'm writing, I'm trapped in between the lines. I escape when I finish the rhyme. I have so, I got sold. That's the best lyric of all time. Period. If you're a writer, he described writer's block in a hip hop lyric. Mm-hmm. How incredible is that? He described actual act of writer's block. And that's why so many MCs love him so much because you relate as a writer. I'm a writer, I understand that. I start to think and then I sink into the paper like I was ink. He's stuck. He can't, he can't figure out his rhyme, right? When I'm writing, I'm trapped in between the lines and I escape. When I finish the rhyme, I got so best lyric ever ever created in hip hop. Like there's nothing better than that. I, I I dare you to like challenge it, right? <laughs> and that's the first lyric. Right? Let me just I'm just I'm, a, I'm just gonna say a couple more. So um picture a mic, the stage is empty. A beat like this might tempt me. Suppose show my rings and my fat gold chain, grab the mic like I'm on Soul Train, but I'll wait because I mastered this. Let the others go first so the brothers don't miss. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm about to laugh. I experiment like a scientist. You want to rhyme? You got to sign my list. (laughs) 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 What? Are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? I'm a manifest and bless the mic I hold. You want it next? Then you gotta have soul. That's the name of this. this what, what? What's going on here? Right. All right. Okay. This is this is some key, this is some Novak stuff. This stuff Novak Novak can say that to a freshman in college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. If you want to get on after me, think about it. Wait, erase your rhyme. Forget about it and don't waste your time. Because <laughs> I'll be because <laughs> I'll be in the crowd if you ain't controlling it. Drop the mic. You shouldn't be holding it. This is how it should be done. The style is identical to none. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is one song. <laughs> this is one song. He's one vicious. Song. He's vicious, man. I remember, I remember the first <laughs> I remember being a kid popping in that double-sided TDK uh, metal tape. And the first time I heard Microphone Fiend, I was like, oh my God, this is vicious. His 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 uh his imagery is second and no there is nobody creating image like Rakim. Like I remember I remember when he destroyed Jay-Z on the gift and the curse of the blueprint yes. too. The watcher. You're, there you're... are there are two more lyrics in the song. I'm gonna stop there. Okay. There are two more lyrics in that song. Let me hear it. Okay. That is the greatest written song of all time. His body of work is 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 next to none. Um mm-hmm. Now, the only thing you'd argue about Rakim is he could have had a better production as he got older. I mean, if you if you if you put Rakim with Jay Dilla maybe, or if you think mm-hmm. about putting Rakim with uh, with Eighth Wonder, Ooh. I think he he ends up making like some some songs that are probably the best we've ever heard. I think he, he lacked production quality as as he got older, but lyrically he's unmatched. There's just no 
way to match him. Period. Period. No, I agree. Period. I mean, nobody. That, that, nobody. Sick. It's sick. It's sick. <laughs> I still I still remember the way the way he ended the watcher too. He go, you can try copying. I've seen I've seen another shit to leave your frame uh, frame of mind broken, and I'm still alive and copying. Be another hundred years till my skies close in. I'm gonna die with my eyes open. The watcher. <laughs> <laughs> and you Man. sit there, you go like, "Wow, right, Kim?" Ah, I have no words. I have no words. I have no words. Lyrics, lyric, lyric wise, <laughs> it's just no comparison. The only reason why that now, now uh, people put in the, put put in the argument, Big Daddy, and I think Big Daddy was a very gifted lyricist. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not lying. I I just don't have enough banging hits from Big Daddy to put in my top five. Like, I mean, I I, I like Big Daddy, but, but, okay, Big Daddy's top two are obviously, um, go, what's Big Daddy's top two songs of all time? I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to think of one. But um, I, got, I got Smooth Operator. Oh, Smooth okay. Operator, and the other one probably is, um, is the one where, the one he made up famous. Uh, uh, he's uh, when he's in the uh, boxing ring in the video. Oh, I know you're talking about the, the Marley Marl production. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, ain't, um, no hmm? ain't no half stepping. Ain't no half stepping, right? <laughs> but yeah. and then I mean, he has a really great lyrical moments of all time when he's on the guess he guess he guess for Biz Markie on mm-hmm. uh, on that track. I mean, he's great, but there's not enough like. He doesn't have enough for me, like past that where I can go. He's a top five MC because I haven't listened to all his songs enough. Nothing's ever grabbed me ever enough to be like, okay, I'm listening, listening to, to to that. You know, now okay. Uh, so I, I don't say I need to argue with Rakim. I think Rakim is pretty universally number one. Here are my here are my here are my um my three uh, underrated MCs. Okay, uh, Queen Latifah. Yes, she doesn't get the credit she deserves. Doesn't get the credit she deserves as a role model and an MC. Uh, she is the lone feminist voice um, out when she's out. There's nobody else that really is saying what she's saying when she comes out. Uh, she doesn't get the credit she deserves. Uh, I, I think, I, in my opinion, that's my humble opinion. Um, <clears throat> to, uh, go ahead. Also an actor as well. Also an actor as well. Yeah. Yes, she, she's an actress as well, and that means she's. I think she's known more. For her acting now than she is known for her her, her hip hop, right? There's actually a video right now where I don't know if you watch those two twins that watch old music, where they they watch <laughs> they saw, they watch songs and they get hyped from them because they don't they never knew them before, and they watch Ice Cube and they're like he's a guy from the movies like they don't need, they didn't even know he was a rapper like they're super excited about like it's a good day because they know he's a rapper. Um, I would say uh, so. Quincy, I think the top three underrated of all time. I think she doesn't get any of the credit. She deserves, um, and I think that's a shame. Uh, I really do. I think that we should we should really be uplifting her and what she contributed to the industry uh, when she came out. Because I think that um, without her, there was a, a important voice loss in the industry. Um, <clears throat> number two, I say, I definitely say Scarface is a incredibly underrated MC. Yeah, man. Uh, he's probably about best storyteller. Um, and uh, the, the he can craft the story 
like nobody's business. And I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's he is it's so street that you the story becomes the same over time, right? So I think that that's that's his that's his limitation is he never evolves past the street stuff, right? So we expect him at some point to kind of get some different a different a different place. He just does he just never kind of gets there, which I think is uh um that. Number the last one that's underrated is Black Thought. Um, Black Thought from um, the Roots is uh, an incredible MC because he's in the group the whole time. It's hard for your top five because he just has more people to work with over the course of this. And I think Jimmy Kimmel's—I mean, not Jimmy Kimmel—Jimmy Fallon's genius of making the Roots his house band was one of the great moments of like hip hop history. I think that that I think we don't we do, I think we underestimate what an important lexicon that is in history is that the tonight show is a hip hop group is their house band. Like that is an incredible um, evolving of hip hop in our culture because there's nothing more American vanilla than tonight show. So the fact that they said, we're going to put the roots as our house band was an incredible moment for us as a, as a country. And that's, that's my underrated. Oh, I agree with you on the Black Thought situation, man. I mean, just just his his contribution to hip hop has been awesome. I mean, I remember I remember the first time, you know, this is the Roots album, you know, the Roots come alive, you know, listen to the Roots like on your CD player. You know, I think I went from Grand Pooba to the Roots. That's pretty much how my evolution in hip hop went. You know, I'm listening, you know, you listen to Pooba, and one day I popped in the Roots, and I'm like, I'm listening to They Want More. And I'm like, this is nice. I mean, you know, that group has evolved so many, so many different members of the Roots. You had Rozelle in the Roots. You had all the talented MCs. You had a lot of talent. You had, you know, you got Quest Love pretty much. But Black Thought is that he's that constant. He's their closer. He's their beginning and their closer. He comes in, he starts it, and he closes out. I mean, the last couple of Roots albums, I mean, every Roots album, every Roots album has been a classic to me in a certain way. The last couple albums have been even better because they've been tapping into like you know you're right with the whole um, the whole with the whole NBC the whole the whole uh, the whole NBC vibe they're getting right now from Jimmy Fallon. It's helped really push them more to the mainstream and it's also showing people how good of a band they are as well. Yeah, don't forget about the Dave Chappelle effect too. Yeah, Dave, mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle basically pushes the roots everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. And you know Black Thought man, when he does freestyle sometimes. You listen to it. I mean. He did that. He did that hot ninety seven freestyle. A couple did of years the fifteen back. minutes. Woo. I've shown that. I've shown that to people before, just to show them. Yeah. That, that we know. Let's talk about art and what art mm-hmm. looks like. Like this is this is an artistic moment. It, it's mm-hmm. incredible. And I mean, and, and there's some people that I mean, like you got when you, you guys say back on. We got to talk about top five duos or top five groups of all time because some of them that there's you know, like, I love top duos on purpose because I think that that's a whole different category mm-hmm. by and large. I think Black Stars is the best top top five duo because they only had one album, right? So like, um, but I I do think like if we ever ever come back on your show, I'd like to talk about like the top five duos and the top five groups because they're all different categories to me in this this point in age. Like it, you know. So I, you know, I'm on hip hop heads. I'm saying the top five MCs of all time. I think my list will stand the test of time. No one will come near it. Uh, <laughs> you tell all those all those haters out there that uh, Heavy D deserves a place on the echelon and you can't argue with that and you know what the problem the problem is too is and this is the problem most people that argue the top five and top five mcs have not listened to people's whole albums right that should be a requirement like listen to the whole album 
Like, you got this to the whole album. You can't be taking the nuggets and being like, okay, he's a top five MC. Like, no, what's the whole album going to sound like, you know? I mean, if I go top, just top, like, five singles of all time, then that's different, you know? Shoot, you know? Black Sheep might be up there, top five singles of all time. Like, you know, but oh, top five, you know, people, you got to listen to the whole, the whole album. It's a good body of work. Have you ever seen any of your uh, top five or honorable mentions uh, uh, live? Yeah, I went to Lauren Hill's concert and Buster Rhymes concert. I went to them in, uh, when I graduated, the, the year I graduated from the they were on tour. I was I front row seats to uh, Lauren Hill and Buster Rhymes. My best friend, my, my friend at the time, Kyle, his uncle would do the tours. So we got front row seats to that. Um, so yeah, I saw Buster Rhymes, Lauren Hill live. Who I don't know. I've never seen Rakim live. I see Rakim at concert. Yeah, I actually I've seen Rakim at concert. Yes, I have seen Rakim at concert. So yeah. let's see. Who was my other two? I never saw Abidine live. Abidine in person. I saw Abidine. And then, I then saw, the other. Yeah. yeah. Then the other person was who? I did. I. Uh, my, my number four. Oh, most deaf. I see most. That most deaf. Okay, so I see most deaf several times in, in concert. Right. Uh. And that I actually saw most definitely concert before I listened to most of album. Uh, no, actually that's not true. I saw I listened to a couple lyrics. Jason had most definitely when we were in college. He was my roommate, mm-hmm. and he was talking about most definitely. And I was like, I was like, yeah, whatever, you know. Then, uh, <laughs> then uh, I was I was I was helping host a party in my at, uh, it was Memorial Day weekend. It was the first like warm day like in a while. And we were at this club in like River North in Chicago. And our party was the after party for most of the Commons concert. And they came through the party. And I was sitting like uh, in like the booth with like the, the DJ or something. And I was sitting down watching and them perform. And it was like magic. Like most of us like getting the crowd hype and singing Umi Says. And that's the first time I saw most of I remember, I'll never forget that because I was like, this dude is amazing. When I went back and got the album that day, like I listened, I thought about, about most of the album. And then four years later, I saw Most Def at the House of Blues um, at a concert where I like did like a godly thing. I like walked in the, the eyes of the Lord, got my ticket like like really late, and it was it was nuts day, man. It was crazy. And then, uh, yeah, I saw so I seen so I seen four of my five MCs I seen in person. Like the only person I've not seen. Is I've not seen Habibi and that's That's dope. I, I've seen Lone Hill live a couple times. <clears throat> in most deaf, and I think of them too as kind of like control freaks in their own right because you know, like <laughs> besides going off the mental path, but you know, for their own reasons, um, their live performances are pretty pretty dope. I the thing that was um, crazy to me though, I went to the Art of Rap show like three years ago, and it had. Um, KRS-One, EPMD, and Rakim. And that was like the the most surreal experience to me because everybody at the Chicago theater was standing up and everybody was saying his rhymes. There was parts where he didn't even have to say anything and he was just loving it. And it wasn't like, why aren't you performing for us? It was like, Mm -hmm. almost like, you're saying people to church. Like, Like everyone knew his rhymes. And this dude, like Rakim in real life, he's short. He's yeah. six, but he's a god, obviously, because 
I, I, I couldn't remember anything else after that performance. Like, like he outstaged everybody, and it was just amazing. There, there's a, there's what's great about Rakim is there's legends about Rakim that I don't know are even true. There's a legend like he walks for like six miles and rhymes the whole time. Like, 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 like there's like these like legends of Rakim that that exist somewhere. Like that he just like, 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 like he pipe pipered it. Like he just like walked through the walked through the city. And he's rhyming, and people are following him. Like, does he rhyme to the city, like in New York? I just like these, like these, like. Is that true? You know, like that, yeah. I did see PMD at a concert when I was in high school. All right. Uh, like I, uh, but I, well, I didn't go to the concert. I was at. Remember the uh, there was something called the Riviera. Do you guys? I remember Riviera. Riviera, right? Yeah, Chris so, Cliff since Riviera, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. So we went to Riviera, and PMD did, uh, did an impromptu show there. Okay. And you know, my close friend's a DJ, and so he got mad because PMD was like doing it, like doing those DJ tricks and stuff. And he was mm-hmm. like, 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 it's like a game of Greg. He was like, shut up, you know, like, like <laughs> I remember that. Sure. Like, so yeah, I seen, I seen PMD um, in concert. Yeah. But that was the KRS one, though, unfortunately. No, that's, that's pretty tight. Well, it's worth seeing. I saw KRS one. Uh, we saw him, we went out to New York and saw KRS one. He's incredible in concert. He did step into my world uh, in the garden, and you know the, the lights dropped, and everybody's like, "What is this?" I mean, if there's a certain places you guys see a concert, you guys see a concert in Madison Square Garden. The energy of the garden—it it, could be a terrible basketball game or something like that—but the energy level of the crowd is unnatural. I mean, when he did step into my world in the garden. Everybody was like, "He did love's gonna get you," and everybody knew the words to the song. I mean, Karis One is like Rod Camp. You know, I've never seen Rod Camp in concert. What you described, Jay, but when he held the mic out and people finished the song, and I was like, "What are we paying you for if you're holding the mic the whole time?" Concert. I mean, he even had Miss Melody there, and Miss Melody, that's his ex-wife. She showed up. I mean, the love for Karis One in New York is phenomenal. I mean, we saw him out there. Uh, the only other person I've seen in concert that's been really awesome, I have to say, is Raekwon. Raekwon is Raekwon is an awesome MC. Raekwon is a really good artist. Really He's good artist. You know, I'm glad you brought up Raekwon because I did want to slip in, slip him in here because I'm also a Wu head through and through. And I'm looking at one of these Heavy D albums, and I think it was the Heavy album. He actually has CeeLo, who I love, Q-Tip, and Big Pun. And I think of Rock. Uh, sorry, I think of Raekwon is like. In our, like a rapper's rapper, and he's almost like the artist that you're protective of because you think he's, he's essential to the culture. And looking at some of these features that Heavy D has had, I feel like he was almost like the Raekwon of that time because it's almost like you need to know like how awesome this guy is, even though he's not on your top five list. Like he should be because he was like he was like coming through the industry. I think when I when I when I was in college and I was trying to make the point was, and this this is a difficult point. I, was, I had a difficult time if I was making was. Uh, to me, what got lost in hip hop was that hip hop was supposed to be positive for kids yep. and supposed to be role models. Right. And like everybody was ignoring that part of the discussion, like that we were like you're putting the top five and C's people that were destroying the culture, right? And so mm-hmm. heavy D for for me was somebody that preserved the culture. That that is somebody that was a good lyricist. He was not whack. He was not somebody that was like he wasn't. Like Skilo, you know, like he wasn't like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, I mean, like, that's, but that's, I mean, like, that, that felt like people didn't understand, like, they were like these one hit wonders who were kind of positive, but they weren't, they weren't Skilo lyricists. They were like people that B96 kind of like was like, oh, cool, Man. you're a good, you know, like, they picked up their yeah. album, you know, like, but they were not, 
they had they were a gimmick, you know. Yes. Navity, I think, was very conscious, consciously positive, you know, in a way that never got credit. And so then it kind of hurt them because people started associating like how gangster you were with hip hop. And that was never the intention of hip hop. Yeah. In fact, it was the opposite. And so I also thought that was something that um, was unfortunate in the discussion. Well, that's a, that's a definite um, point because when you talk about Heavy D and his boys were one of the best dancers in the game and my brain automatically goes to MC Hammer and his crew. But again, you're not even uh, talking about Lil. No, look at Heavy D's crew. They Hammer, pack. Hammer, Hammer was so nakedly commercial. Yeah, yeah. That that's what hurt him with Rhythm I mean, when his first album, Turn His Mother Out, that was like a that was a hip hop classic. Like, I mean, like people mm-hmm. like that song. Like that, that was something people respected. Like, I think when he when he became when he when he really hit with um, you can't touch this. Right. When that hit. He was so negatively commercial about it that it made people that were in hip hop go, you know, you don't even care. Like you're just doing whatever you can do, you know. Like, like you have no no bathrooms, you know. You know, it also didn't help that like he was from the West Coast, and there was a fight, a proxy fight for hit East Coast versus West Coast like domination at the time, right? So you can't you can't really disassociate the fact Hammer's impact was also tied to um, NWA was also tied to Snoop Dogg was tied to Dr. Mm-hmm. Dre, even though he didn't have those kind of lyrics, it swung the it swung the influence from East Coast to West Coast, right? In a in a way that we don't we don't really uh, associate. Right? Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing up the history and the lineage because for me. My entry point, again, is, you know, the woo, and I'm a 90s kid. And when you brought up Big Daddy Kane, like, I can't help but think about the Nas and Jay-Z comparison, right? Because arguably, if you were to fit Jay-Z, it would probably go on the Big Daddy side, and then you would have Nas on the Rakim side, right? Right. And for me, that's a way to understand how cyclical everything is. But to be very nerdy, the first time... I was aware of Big Daddy Kane was this song in 94, Show and Prove, where he had Jay-Z on it. You know what I mean? So that that yeah. you that I had to kind of go back and do my history homework as far as like who Big Daddy Kane was and EPMD and even Rakim. Like the first time I heard Rakim was on the Juice soundtrack and I had no clue who he was, but I knew the sound was like, was street enough. And to your point, like I entered hip hop where there was a lot of negativity in it, but I was, I was able to see like the positivity and the negativity. So, you know, like it, it's hard to kind of like um, argue about the sanctity of the art when, you know. Yeah, I was in middle school in 88, 89, and 90, or coming out in 1990. And that is when uh, the positive hip hop hit the peak. So that's when, that's Public Enemy. That is Self-Destruction comes out there, that, I think in 90. Right. Um, that is uh, Tribe comes out at that time. That right. is uh, Bill Soul comes out about that time. That mm-hmm. like the, the, there's the and so when you think about like okay where is the culture right? So if you look at Fight the Power, which is a video, the video is basically we do the right thing. Like it's it's a it's a it's a promotional video for do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, if you look at Spike Lee, Spike Lee does the interviews. Fight the Power was not even supposed to be like promoted by the company. 
the my fantasy the 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 song by Teddy Riley was supposed to be the title track for for do the right thing right but the cultural uh, fit was so right that that became a signature song for the album. So when you look at what was happening in the culture, look at like okay, look at so mix that. So you got fight the power, mm-hmm. you got uh, which is the most then if you are public enemies probably one of the most popular groups in America. Do the right thing, uh, and then house party later on, which is next year, right? Then you have. Um, Cross Colors is the top selling brand of clothing at the time, right? right? Which is Afrocentric clothing. A Different World is one of the top shows on television, which is about kids in college, right? Black mm-hmm. kids in college, right? So look at the lexicon of what's happening to, to American youth at the time. They, they're seeing basically a culture that says you have value, you have, you have worth, you, you belong, right? <clears throat> in a way that's very unique to that time period. That only lasts about three to four years. Mm-hmm. But the following four years is all different. The Chronic <laughs> is an example, right? Uh, New York Undercover, uh, Juice, Mrs. Society, um, you know, whatever, Jason's Lyric, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and this is what I say, say is so think about when we were, remember we were in college and I had this really one viewpoint of the world and you guys had a different one and you didn't understand why I was so different. It's because that middle school grounding was so different. Like it was such a different way of how the approach was because when I was coming into my, the framework of hip hop, my whole framework was this very deliberate influence of youth culture. Right. And if you watch documentaries between public enemy, they say, we were deliberately influencing the culture. Like they were trying to, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm coming out as a 12 year old going, man, I gotta be Afrocentric. I gotta think about my people. I gotta, you know, like, and so that had formerly been kind of taken shape in a way that stayed with me, you know, versus maybe three years later where if I'm 14 and the chronic's out, maybe that's not the same way, not the same influence, you know, like not the same thought process. Cause I watched it in high school. I watched my friends go from like wearing the uh, wearing the like the the black fists like go thing around their neck and like yeah. wearing the, the fancy hats to senior year smoking weed. Like I watched it happen in front of me. Like wow. Like what what what's wrong with y'all? <laughs> what's happening in front of me? You know, like and and then understanding later that that the media had a different kind of like influence than I had realized. This is what influenced me. They didn't go into media. Actually, this is one of the reasons why I didn't read it because I thought that that's where that what was needed. You know, they kind of they kind of set us back mentally, if you think about it. It did. You, you, you bring you bring up a good mm-hmm. point. I mean, it was strange because you know when I, my entry point into hip hop was Ron DMC. It was Ron DMC. It that's was, interesting. It was it was all East Coast. You know, it was Biz Markie. It was the Vapors. It was stuff like that. That's how I came into hip hop. And then, you know, what happened is it just mutated. It changed. It, it went from, you know, Five Five Freddy went from New York to L.A. And when he went to L.A., it turned into the D.O.C. It turned into Dr. Dre. It turned into, uh, it was early Tupac, Digital Underground. Digital Underground, to me, basically, was for the culture. And then Tupac was in that group. He was a dancer in Digital Underground. And then he became a lyricist. And but even, sudden, yeah. even, even, I'm not interrupting, even Digital yeah. Underground, right? Because I'm the same way with you, right? I think... Yeah. Humpty Dance, mm-hmm. you wouldn't let your kids listen to Humpty Dance today. Like, go back and listen to Humpty Dance. You would not okay. let any of your kids say a single lyric 
Toby Dance. But it's 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 a super sexualized song. Like mm-hmm. in it yes. and like you would not let your kid like even though like we like I sing it all the time when I was twelve, like but like, fourteen or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, I would be like absolutely not. She can't say that. You know, like it, saying like it was such a skewed perspective because I know I grew up thinking it's like a super positive song. Like that's that's fun in lyrics. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> have you read this? Yeah. Shut your ears. My my daughter's favorite song is "Me Myself and I" by Bill Russell. She listens yeah. to it like on on repeat, and she has to. She's a baby, and like mm-hmm. so, it, it uh, it's just something Take that. Sure, well. Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't. I mean, I'm talking about like you know, you're in the car, you're just trying to find something to make the baby like be quiet, mm-hmm. and that song always worked. I don't know why. Like even like six months, she she was a De La Soul fan, like from the very beginning. Like she, she was. That's scary because like my daughter basically is trying to listen to Tyler the Creator, and I'm like, no, no, we can't do. Who was that? Tyler the Creator. He's out. He's out of. Uh, he's out of San Francisco, <clears throat> Oakland area. He's out the Bay Area. He's got a couple. He won a Grammy for for uh he won he won a Grammy for that laugh for Igor. So the whole album basically sounds like because you know this new hip hop they're not rapping they're singing they're singing it's almost what um it's the whole it's the whole influence that we it's whole, it's the Childish Gambino influence like Childish Gambino is this whole element of hip hop where he can actually rap but he'd rather sing with the synthesizer and all the kids go oh man he's a cold lyricist I'm like he's singing. How is he a lyricist? I mean, it's the same thing with Tyler Creator. Tyler Creator did a whole album he sings. And kids know the words of the song, even though, you know, it's kind of runchy. You listen to what he's saying. I know, like, Humpty was like that, thus. Humpty was really vulgar. We didn't get it at the time. You know, we sing, you get yeah. in the Burger King bathroom. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. And, and your parents looking at you like, I hate that. Stop playing yeah. it, whatever, basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like Tyler Creator and stuff like that. It's like they're, it's like they're digital underground. They're digital underground. It's like it's like they're like Humpty, like Heavy D was our Drake. You know, right. I can't get with Drake because Drake to me is like it's Canadian hip hop, not American hip hop. It's Canadian hip hop, and people always go, "What do you mean by that?" Like Tor- Tory Lanez, the rest of those guys, they're Canadians. Yeah. So so you don't give any credits credits to Canadian hip hop. You think Canadian hip hop itself is not worthy of your time? Mm-hmm. Well, it's different. It's different. I mean, it's all about the party. It's all about flying the Houston, Atlanta, Vegas. It's all about being seen. And you know, it, it's it's weird because now they're collaborating with Chicago artists, real music artists like Lil Durk and stuff like that. And the fact that you take a Canadian rapper and you bring drill music Drake, you know, drill, you know, drill music Lil Durk into that situation. You got the, you got one guy singing, you know. You got one guy rapping and like you know the synthesizer voice. You got Drake talking about emotions and feelings. Canadians have emotions and feelings in their, their hip hop. It's about I miss the girl, I love the girl. You know, I got a new girl. That's how Drake is. And you listen to him, you just like he's he's the he's the most emotionally unstable artist of our time. I've never seen anything like it. he can he can crown the song and then go party after the song is over. I mean, I guess it, it's interesting, you know, but. Um, you know, our artists like Rod Kim. Rod Kim didn't show that type of emotion. You know, Rod Kim was like, he gave you something that was, he gave you a killer bar. You, you said it for two or three times a day. You tried to get it right. You tried to deliver it just like him. But to deliver like Drake today and be like, I miss the girl. Yeah, the girl is gone. Yeah. You know, I'm in love with her. Kiki, are you with me? And that's how Drake is. It's, it's a whole different culture. You know what I mean? But the kids are a little bit softer in that regard because we played the dozens. They can't play the dozens. You cannot play the dozens with a kid. To me, to me, Drake is what if Keith Sweat became a rapper, 
That'd be great. <laughs> that is a great analogy. It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> Why? It's me? basically the same artist <laughs> in like a different body. Like just whining, mm-hmm. whining about a girl. You know, like you should. At some point, man, like you should be happy. Like you got enough money. Like you should be able to, like you know, take your own date. And it's just he's crying about a girl. Like every album is a different girl he's crying about. Like it's some sad, sad situation for Drake, man. I don't, I don't understand. His therapist got rich at this point. I mean, you, every, know? you know, this Venus. You know, Venus got married, and he made a whole song about Venus. And you know, I mean, Danny was upset about. Uh, he was upset to come and date her. I mean, it's just weirdness. <laughs> You know, but... well, this, this, this begs a question, and I, this is my theory about this, right? So, yeah. all right, so here's what I think. So in the 90s and the 2000s, to be able to get what you wanted, what was respected was what was called game, right? Mm-hmm. And game was being able to talk yourself into whatever you wanted to get, right? That was, right. you know, whoever you, I'll talk to, talk to somebody about sex, mm-hmm. I was about same sex, talking to some, some, you know, grades, whatever. Like, there was a lot of respect for a game. And that kick in to get it. Yes. <laughs> and, and when the internet gets invented, and uh, especially 2000s, things that used to, used to be game are now automated. Like, dating's automated. Like, mm-hmm. like, things that are like, that used to take time to, like, use words to get become less valuable, Right. And so I think this really reflected the music. I think that's why the music becomes Arabic becomes worse over time because the, the the lyrical appreciation for artists does not exist in people's regular lives. So then it doesn't translate to appreciation for their musical lives, right? So because I don't have to be articulate for real, I don't I no longer appreciate articulation, right? And that's why we're looking at him and going, this this there's no lyrics. The guys rhyming the same words together. How dare him? And, you're, and the kids are like, this is fantastic. Because they don't have to like spend any time thinking about that. So why would they even worry about if you're articulate or not? You know, like there's no there's no value in articulation anymore. It's just efficiency. Quick, fast, easy. And right. Bad. Like they also got the wrong story about the urban legends. Like you talk about Rock Kim and the urban legends, like the whole like Big never wrote anything. Jay never wrote anything. You know, like Ti never wrote anything until he made Paper Trail. Like they catch wind of that. Like, what's the point of writing anything anymore? You know? Oh, really? It, it, the, the kids think that they, they write their own lyrics. They think that. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Like, other who else? Like, what? Lil Wayne doesn't write. Like, who else? There's like a host of others. That yeah, under under three thousand is a, is this exceptional being that you know makes one album every ten years. Like, that's kind of true, you know. But at the same time, the kids the kids have a lot of urban legends. You know, they 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 feel that uh, you know some people think that Biggie Biggie had more music than what he had. Biggie only had two albums. Uh, they think that Tupac was the the greatest rapper alive. I've had I've had the argument with a couple eight year olds and twelve year olds. And I look at him like Tupac Shakur basically started off digital underground. Tupac Shakur basically had a couple albums that were really good. You know, uh, All Eyes on Me is his best album, that hands down. You know, and people always go, yeah. Tupac, no one's going to say this. I'm going to say it right now. Tupac was a sex symbol and girls liked him. Mm-hmm. That's why he gets that favorite MC crap. Because he was a street dude that for whatever reason, women thought he was attractive. Mm-hmm. And so when he died, they got very sad about that. And so they give him all this credit, although he was not, even when he was out, 
wasn't considered the, one of the best MCs alive. He was considered very popular because girls liked him. Like he was, in some ways, like I think, um, doesn't get the kind of like, what's the way I'm looking for? He got a lot of attention because he was he was castable. He was somebody who people wanted to watch because they liked how he looked. But he's a great storyteller. That Brendan's got a baby. He did some really quick. He wasn't even in the same league with most people that were rappers. I mean, honest truth is true. True. I think Biggie was a genius because the way Biggie rhymed was really unique. Mm-hmm. Biggie only survived the first, like I think, single of the second album. Where I think I like like he wasn't even alive after the first single, right? Like no, he was gone. So, he was gone. Inhibitized, right? Yeah, and I think Puffy just milked that. He milked that for all of the work, you know. Mm-hmm. But they get. I mean, they're tragic, I'm, and I I miss them both. I think they you know they could have done great stuff, but they get a lot of oversized like love because of how they died and when they died versus like looking at the body of their work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Biggie's uh, Biggie's production, his first album especially, is not especially creative. I mean, like if you listen to the original songs, mm-hmm. they're very close to his production. You know, like "One More Chance" is almost almost the bar song, <laughs> note for note. You know, yeah. like "Juicy's" is "Juicy Fruit," note for note. Like I mean, like yeah. they don't change. I mean, how hard is it to make a hit? If you take a number one hit and just you know change the name, change change the lyrics like that, to me that's like that's 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 unfair. You know, it's not what Q-Tip does. Or Q-Tip finds these obscure, weird yeah. like little moments in songs and then makes some hits. Like Juicy is Juicy Fruit, completely. <laughs> it's the same song. Well, the thing about Hypnotized, that's the opening for General Hospital. Yeah, uh, my grandma goes. That's General Hospital, baby. I was just like, no, no. She knew the whole. She's like, yeah, that's how General Hospital used to come on. You, you know the song. I looked at her like, do I know the song? She's like, yeah, you're on my, you're on my knee when that song came on. So that's the reason I mean, why we like that music because you know we grew up listening to that music, you know, being played by adults, and then they brought it back to us and replayed it. And we're like, man, this this beat is so cold. And you're looking at me like, I know this beat because this is what you played when you cleaned up the house when you're a little kid. So that's how hip hop changed in some regards with, with, with the Puffy generation. I, I would say um, what gets under under talked about is uh, when you look at hip hop with uh, with um, what was I saying? with Puffy at the end of it. Um, Puffy doesn't even like really have a place to go after big, right? Which is super strange because what happened to Craig Mack? Like Craig Mack was on the on the on the, on, the, on you know Craig Mack and Ryan like what just pick it Craig Mack. But that's it man. So I have got my five. I think <laughs> we're way over our time now. I think we're like twenty minutes over our time. Like so uh, twenty, but it's a good mm-hmm. conversation. You know you can't yeah. mm-hmm. okay so yeah so I'll have have me back on uh and I will <laughs> definitely give you my top my my top five uh Groups of all time, and, and I'm, I'm surprised. I expected to get a beat down for my picks. I'm very happy that I I, I avoided stand up. I was all in love with the Flip Mode Squad, and Lauren Hill is an awesome choice because most people don't even throw female MCs in top five conversations at all. So that's just amazing that you even put her on there. 
That was awesome because most of these kids that they go, that's the lady that had the mental breakdown. I'm like, no, that's Lauren Hill. Stop. You know, do your history. Do not insult Lauren Hill. <laughs> or she or uh, she had a kid by Marley. That's what that's what my little cousin said. I'm like, that's she's more than that. Lost Ones is still one of the best songs of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, still, like, period to me. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Have yeah. a great night. You too. No stage. Take us home. All right, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in to Hip Hop Heads. We really appreciate it. Guest Carl dropping on his top fives. And um, yeah, man, look at you with the next episode with some more hip hop classic conversations, as well as a special shout out to um, my cousin Christian for designing the uh, logo and some of the theme music. And um, yeah, with that, I guess we'll see you on the next episode. Go away, doubles in the house. Go away, doubles in the house. Go away, doubles in the house. Go away, doubles in the house.